tell it all. I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. He's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. He has taken my sins away. Thanks. Thanks. I give you thanks for all you've done. I am so blessed. My soul has found rest. Oh, Lord, I give you thanks. 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 I give you thanks for all you've done. I am so blessed. My soul has found rest, oh Lord, Lord, I I give you thanks. Let's all stand. Jesus, we love you this this evening. We're so grateful that we can be in your house to worship you, to glorify you, to learn from your word, Jesus. Amen, amen. We're going to look at Psalm Psalm 31 and 1. They're going to put it up on the screen for us. Welcome this evening. We're glad you're here. Hope you're having a great week. Psalm 31 and 1 says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Amen. That ought to be our prayer every day. Amen. Lord, in you I put my trust. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so grateful that we could be in your house. Grateful that we can feel your presence. We know that we're going to learn and we're going to grow and we're going to Uh, glean things tonight, Lord, that are going to be very paramount in our lives and that are going to touch us. So, Lord, we ask your blessing upon this service. Bless those that are listening online, and we're grateful for what you're going to do tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's put our hands together and give thanks to the Lord. No 
precious blood of the Lamb. And would you do service for Jesus, your King? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live his praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Oh, yes, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb.
flower Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white? Jesus tonight hallelujah I'm thankful that I'm washed hallelujah in the blood of the lamb and when the bridegroom cometh, I'm going to be ready to go hallelujah thank you Jesus because I know I've been washed in the blood of the lamb amen amen aren't you thankful that we can abide under the fountain of the blood of Jesus and that we can find rescue and we can find healing and we can find strength from day to day in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? Yes. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sister Tryon. I don't usually dictate the theme of the songs or anything like that, but because of what I'm teaching tonight, I had texted Sister Tryon this morning and said, can we sing about the blood tonight? Amen. I, I believe that many times we, and, and we don't really do it in, in this church, we sing about the blood, I think, on a regular basis, and that's awesome. And many churches just reserve those songs for Easter time or somewhere around that time and and you know we need to celebrate the blood of jesus all the time <laughs> amen amen there's something we start singing about the blood that just just gets me going man i just because it's just powerful amen the blood of jesus amen amen just hey man we let's clap we can we could clap because there is there's there's something amazingly powerful about the blood of jesus amen amen Amen. Just a couple of quick announcements and then we'll receive our offering and we'll dismiss our classes. All of our classes will be in session tonight. The adults will be staying out here and ever, all the other classes will be going to their classrooms. Uh, Spanish service tomorrow at 7.30 p.m. Also tomorrow night for the college uh, and teenage uh, ladies, um, there is uh, something called an Anointed Women. It's a fellowship. Um, I believe at Sister Ashley Dibble's house, there's a flyer out on the bulletin, um, and you can see Sister Marie about that. If you have any questions about that, that is uh, put on by Calvary UPC in Wallingford, but it's a great time for ladies, young ladies to get together in fellowship. And then Friday night at 7.30 p.m. at Destiny Church in, in uh, Bloomfield, there is a youth service at, uh, again, this is at Pastor Harvey's church. Um, and uh, it's going to be amazing. Got an evangelist coming in. I believe Sister Leilani has all the details on that as well. And so, young people, if you plan to go to that, um, please uh, let them know. Also, it, let Sister Leilani know so she can let um, uh, RSVP to everyone she needs to RSVP to. Um, and uh, also, young people, if you want pizza afterwards, bring $10 for pizza um, again for that. Also, next week, everyone say next week. Next week, we have Revival. Our friend, evangelist, pastor Aaron Wright is going to be here um, next week. And so our schedule is going to be a little bit different. We will have an insert in the bulletin for Sunday uh, to outline it all. But just to give you a quick uh, kind of overview, next Wednesday night, we will not be having our normal midweek Bible study. Actually, the Spanish uh, service, the Spanish church will be having their Bible study on Wednesday night at 730 next week. On Thursday night, uh, Brother Aaron Wright will be preaching in English here. We'll have a service on Thursday night. Um, we won't have anything going on on Friday night because we have uh, the other church that rents from us on Friday night. Um, but then Saturday at 5 p.m. we have special sessions, split sessions for the men and for the ladies. And you'll be able to come casual and have some fellowship. Um, and it'll be a great time. Uh, Brother Aaron will be teaching the men. Sister, Sister Jess will be teaching the ladies. And you don't want to miss that. And then Sunday morning at 1030 they'll be, uh, they'll be uh, ministering in our service as well. And um, they always bless us every time they come. And we're looking forward to it. Invite some folks out to that. Um, if you can, uh, get some people here. I believe God's going to do an absolute, absolutely miraculous work during that weekend. We're going to see God really uh, move in a mighty way. We've been seeing God move in a mighty way in all of our services. Amen. And I'm grateful for that. And I believe something's going to culminate that weekend and, and there's going to be a true breakthrough um, of shifting in the atmosphere of this city that happens during that weekend. And so we're looking forward to that. 
Amen. Amen. Now we're going to pray. The offering baskets are here. Um, we're going to come and give our offering, and then our classes will be dismissed. Again, the adults will be staying in the sanctuary. Jesus, we love you and we worship you. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for the atoning cleansing power of your blood the healing power of your blood we pray lord for this offering that you would bless this offering to the upbuilding of your kingdom bless those who are giving according to your word and we pray lord that you would bless all of our classes tonight let your presence touch us in everything we do tonight in jesus name we pray amen would you come would you give to the lord and then our classes are dismissed in jesus name thank god for the blood Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood that washes white as snow. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood as white as snow. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood that washes white as snow. Amen. Thank God for the blood. Hallelujah. Let's give a hand clap of praise to Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for your blood, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Um, hopefully you have our lesson at this time. If not, I know they're going around um, and uh, you'll be getting one. Uh, I believe this is going to be end up being a series that I'll teach and it's probably probably will be spread out because of our schedule over the next few weeks and and uh, uh, we'll be hearing from some different teachers. As a matter of fact, I wasn't even scheduled to teach tonight, but uh, we're so grateful that uh, baby Ezra has made his appearance one week ago today, and uh, brother and sister Rosa are, as they should be, taking care of their baby. And um, and so he was going to be teaching tonight, but uh, he has some more important things to uh, take care of. Uh, right now, and and so uh, he asked if I could cover, and, and I told him that I'd absolutely be willing to do that, and uh, so I wasn't sure what I was going to teach, and then uh, I was reading a uh, a plan on version about the power of the blood, and it sparked the idea of studying out the different qualities and characteristics and functions of the blood in our body. And I've kind of always thought about it and never really studied it out. And uh, I got an opportunity to start studying it out. And uh, we're going to be looking at over however long we, we teach this. Um, we'll be looking at some of the different qualities and characteristics and functions that the blood performs in our bodies and how that relates uh, in a spiritual aspect. And so it's going to be an interesting study. I've enjoyed it thus far in my studies Amen. But let's we're going to talk a little bit about tonight about again the power of the blood. Now, when I think of powerful things in the animal kingdom, I think about elephants and rhinos and hippos and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! 
I'm, I'm thinking about uh, alligators and, and crocodiles and uh, things like that. I, I, I mean, when I think of powerful animals, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking about. How about the great white shark or uh, the killer whale, things like that, these, the, the blue whale that's giant. And, and, and so we think these are powerful things in the animal kingdom. When I think about different types of forces, natural forces on earth that are powerful, one of the, one of the things that I think about is water. Because water has a very is very powerful, and if you've ever been in a in any kind of a flash flood or any kind of a flood where uh, the waters begin to rise and you get caught in the current of flood waters, uh, you realize just how powerful uh, water can be. Um, I grew up very near the Mississippi River um, and uh, the mighty Mississippi, as it's called, and it's. Uh, about three-quarters of a mile across the bridge that I used to cross over to go from Arkansas to Tennessee. The bridge is about three-quarters of a mile to go across the river, and so it is truly a mighty river, and uh, it, it's the, the current is powerful, and, uh, and you know something falls in the middle of that river, and it's going to get swept down, it, it, and it's, it's just amazing how powerful water can be. When I think of other... Uh, powerful forces of nature like volcanoes hurricanes and I grew up in tornado alley so I know all about tornadoes and I've watched as trees giant trees hundreds of years old got uprooted by tornadoes I've I've seen houses get picked up and carried away by a tornado I, I've seen a house that was picked up off its foundation and laid somewhere else, and there really wasn't even a lot of damage in the house because it, it somehow got picked up in the kind of the eye of the storm, but it ended up a mile or two away from <laughs> where it was normally sitting. Uh, so there's some powerful forces in nature, um, and when it comes right down to it, you know, well, even think about industry, right, mechanical things, um, you know, think about a jet engine, a turbine, a jet turbine engine. That's a powerful force. Uh, uh, you know, sports cars and, and, you know, horsepower. We talk about how much horsepower is in a, in a sports car and, and you know, the, the Hemi engine that's out there and, and these different types of, of engines and, and uh, tanks and monster trucks. And, and you, know, uh, you know, guys get excited about stuff like that because there's a lot of power or there's speed and they're, they're, there's pa they're powerful things. And so all of these things that we're talking about uh, in their own way have, have power. They're, they're powerful and they're mighty. But when I think about the most powerful thing in the universe, I have to point first and foremost to the one who created everything. Amen. Because he is almighty. He is almighty, and nothing that we could ever create would ever be more powerful than the one who gave us the, the ability to even think about how to create it. And, and nothing that is created could be more powerful than the one who created it. Amen? And so I'm thankful for a mighty God. I'm thankful for a God for whom nothing is impossible and nothing is too hard. 
When I think about power, I think of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 where it says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And, and, and I get excited thinking about Holy Ghost power and the, all the wonderful things that, that we can accomplish through the power of the Holy Ghost and, and that the power of the Holy Ghost accomplishes in our lives. Miracles and signs and wonders and, and uh, even the miracle of being able to have peace in the midst of, of turbulent situations when uh, everybody around you says you ought to be losing your mind. That is a miracle in and of itself, and that is a powerful thing. I'm thankful for the peace of the Lord. Amen. And the Bible records some truly amazing miracles. And so I thought for a minute we'd just kind of go around the room a little bit, and, and I'm going to ask you a question, and, and don't go into a lot of details, but just, just kind of answer the question quickly. Uh, maybe we'll start with Sister Ellen. I know she's signing, but if you could be present for one miracle that happened in the Bible, what would it be? Sister Ellen, what would it be? Day of Pentecost. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, let's see. Let me jump on, on this side maybe. Sister Leilani, what, uh, if you could think of one miracle, what would it be? There's so many of them. When he split the sea, the Red Sea. Amen. That's awesome. That's awesome. Brother Al. The raising of Lazarus from the dead. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would be that would be absolutely amazing. Brother Mike. What would what would it be? Like he's like, make you're making me pick one. I want to see all of them. <laughs> The Jordan River, when it parted, when the Israelites went into the promised land. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Sister Tryon. When he walked through the wall into the room, wouldn't that be awesome? Sister Shida. The, the plagues. Yeah. Oh, wow. That would be, seeing all that would be crazy, right? Awesome. Um, man. I'd like to see Elijah call fire down from heaven on the mountain or on the soldiers that came to get him. I don't know. Y'all got to pray for me. I love fire. <laughs> Bishop Tryon. He stole that one. <laughs> that, would be, that would be pretty crazy to see this guy. You know, Eliezer brought out a point the other day about that. He's like, he's, he, I guess him and some of his friends were talking. He was mummified wrapped all up how did he walk out of the grave because jesus had to say later loose him and let him go was he levitating was he just kind of floating was he hopping like what i mean yeah, brother was over like you know like what i mean he probably was like you know, hopping or floating i don't know what happened i mean wow i mean we'll have to ask him about that when we get up to heaven what about you brother sam Man, amen. The shadow of Peter as they, and the apostles as they were walking, just to be able to, to see that happen. What that just, like, whoa, that, that would blow your mind, right? And, I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. Anybody else got one? I don't want to, like, anybody else got one they want to they shout out? 
Brother Gardo. Okay. All right. Yeah, when he slew him with the jawbone or when he – I mean, there's so many Samson deals. That's amazing, right? He killed a 1,000 with the jawbone of a donkey. He, uh, you know, he – you know what would be really cool is he was tied to the gates, right? When he pushed the pillars down, yeah. He Samson was tied to the gates and just carried the gates of the city with him. And those weren't light gates. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 there's some powerful, amazing miracles in the Bible. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just amazing. Uh, what about what Joshua caused the sun to stand still? Or watching the angel kill 187,000 soldiers in one night. Crazy, right? The walls of Jericho falling at a shout. Or an earthquake coming because Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises and everybody's chains fell off. How? <laughs> like, you know, it's just amazing. But I would say that, I mean, how about, how about this one? And I, I just got to say this. How about Herod? When he didn't give God the glory and he died, and before his body hit the ground, the worms were already eating him alive. Well, eating him dead. He was already decomposing so bad that before he even hit the ground, the worms were eating his flesh. That's disgusting and nasty and gross, but that had to be a, that's a miracle too, <laughs> right? And so, I mean, it's just the things that happened, this powerful, powerful things. But the power that I would probably rank second, and, and by the way, if um, you, you have some blanks in your notes, hopefully you have a pen. If not, uh, wave your hand and we'll see if Brother Redway can get, can get you some pens, um, get you a pen if you need one. There's some blanks in your, uh, in your notes there. Um, the power that I would rank second in, in potency, if you will, to just God himself would probably be the blood of Jesus. And, you know, don't go, you know, making a big theological debate about that. But I think next to God himself, I, I, I don't think there's anything more powerful than the blood that Jesus shed for us. And we were singing about it tonight. There's power in the blood. There's wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus. And we sang it, thank God for the blood. And I would submit that there is just nothing outside the blood of Jesus uh, that is any, any more powerful except for Jesus himself. And, and so we get to talk tonight about the power of the blood. And if our scripture text will be taken from Leviticus chapter 17. In verse 11, and then Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22, Leviticus 17 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. It is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. And Hebrews 9.22 says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So we're going to talk about those two things for a little bit, atonement and remission. So it is the blood of Jesus that makes, and there's another blank there, that makes an atonement for our souls. It is the blood of Jesus that makes an atonement for our souls. And so let's have a little bit of a discussion here 
we got a lot of Bible scholars out there. We got a lot of people that, that study the word. What is atonement? What does it mean? And we don't have microphones, and so we'll just kind of shout it out. And, and I forgot to ask for microphones, so not a big deal. Just shout it out, and we'll try to. I mean, if you, wanna, if you can get one, Sam, that's fine. No, I don't think it's going to be that big. Sister Ellen, what is atonement? Okay, at one minute with God, a little play on, on words, right? And, and without atonement, we can't be at one with God. And so there is some truth to that. And somebody else, what is atonement? What does it mean? To be made right with God. Anybody else? Atonement. What, what does it mean? Brother Redway. Alignment with God, okay? Anybody else? What, is it, what does atonement mean to you? All right, so in the Hebrew, and, and Bishop Tryon kind of hit the nail on the head there. Um, in the Hebrew, it means to cover, to purge, to make an atonement, or to make reconciliation. To make reconciliation. Now, the word atone, uh, when we look up, because it uh, part of the definition of atonement is to make atonement, so... You know, what does it mean to atone for something? Uh, the word atone means to make amends or to serve as compensation for something that is bad or unwelcome. In other words, it means atonement means to make right what was wrong. And sin separates us from God. Sin puts us at enmity with God and puts God at enmity with us. And we're not right with God because of sin. And so... Uh, Atonement means to make right what was wrong. And so sin in its simplest definition is wrong that we commit against God and others. And, and by the way, yes, there is a right and a wrong still. I don't care what the world's trying to say out there. There is right and wrong. There is evil and good. There is truth and there is falsehood. Uh, there's one truth. There, there's no, I get to make up my own truth. I don't know who, I don't think I have an argument with anybody in, in, in the sanctuary tonight about that, but maybe there's somebody watching online. You need to understand that. There, there, there is no truth you can just make up on your own. There's one truth, and it's found right here. And by the way, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so if I'm going to find truth, i got to go to the one who is truth. All this stuff about, you know, you can have your own truth and live your own truth, that's, that's ungodly. And that's putting it nicely. Amen. There is truth. And so when sin enters the picture, there is wrong that must be righted. There is wrong that must be righted. We got we to make it right. And so it is the blood of Jesus applied to our lives that makes us right with God, the one against whom we have sinned. So it's the blood of Jesus applied to our lives that makes us right with God. That's atonement. Now, we also read that without the shedding of blood, there is no, and there's a blank there, there is no remission of sins. So your blank is remission. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. All right, so let's discuss that a little bit. What is remission? Brother Lou, to remove. Brother Redway, to cleanse. Washing. Anybody else? We're all in the same vein here. Amen. And all of those, all of those are right. Removing, cleansing, washing, 
Um, it, it absolutely, the word remit actually means to blot out or to erase uh, from a root word that actually means to totally annihilate. <laughs> and so, in other words, remission makes it as if our sins never even happened. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> we all th- wish we could turn back the clock sometimes. Sister Ellen. Right. That's a great point. And so for those that uh, are online, when you when you erase a blackboard, you can still kind of see some of the smears and the smudges and sometimes even, you know, the outline of the words or whatever. But when you get the, the cleansing agents out and you clean it, you, you, you can't see any of that anymore. And that's exactly what remission is. And that's what the blood does for us. And so it is the blood of Jesus applied to our lives that provides for the remission, the removal, the blotting out of our sins. So not only does it make the wrong right, but it makes it as if the wrong never even happened. Isn't that beautiful? We all talk about how we like to turn back the clock sometimes. There's, we, we, we all have regrets in our lives. And sometimes we wish we could go back and, 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 and get a restart. You know, we wish we could redo things, right? And that's not a good way to live. we got to be able to get past it. And the beautiful thing is the blood of Jesus can fix all everything. And, and, and he can redeem our past. And, and it, it's wonderful that that can happen. Jeremiah 31 and 34 says that God will remember our sins no more. Isn't it wonderful that he doesn't remember it? Once we get it under the blood, he doesn't remember it. He chooses not to remember it. Not going to bring it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to keep bringing it back up again. You know, we, we humans, we, we, we like to keep bringing it up. You don't believe me? Get into an argument with your spouse. Next thing you know, one of you is going to be bringing up something from the past. It's just the way it works. We're humans. We do it. Even if you thought it was over and done with, even if you said you forgave them, you might still bring it up <laughs> in the argument. Well, hold on a second. I thought we, I thought we dealt with that already. But God won't do that to us because he remembers our sins no more. So if, if you've got a voice that's talking to you, trying to tell you about your past and the mistakes you've made in the past, it's not Jesus talking to you because he doesn't remember it anymore because it's under the blood. Amen? The blood remits your sins, wipes it away as if it never happened again, ever happened. Amen? Isaiah 38 and 17 says that God casts all of our sins Behind his back, and he's not looking over his shoulder trying to see them. They're behind his back, so he doesn't see them. He doesn't want to look at them again. God's not up there in heaven waiting for you to make a mistake so he can pull all that other stuff up and say, See, you just keep doing it, you keep doing it, keep knowing it. It's wiped away as if it never happened. It's behind his back. It's it's over with. So, have you ever heard of the Passover? How about the Exodus? What a, what a marvelous and glorious night that must have been, that first Passover and that night when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. 
That would have been that would have been a great miracle to see. <laughs> so Jashire mentioned the plagues, right? <laughs> Coming in and that that'd be that that would have been kind of a crazy to see all that that final plague, especially, right? Because the night that the children of Israel finally walked out of Egypt after four hundred and thirty years of slavery, God was once and for all showing Pharaoh who was boss. And so he sent his angel, we often call it the death angel, throughout Egypt to kill all of the firstborn male offspring of everyone and everything in Egypt. And by the way, it was everyone and everything in Egypt. It wasn't just the firstborn of the Egyptians that the angel was going for. There was only one way to be safe from the death angel that night. And it wasn't that you were going to be a descendant of Abraham. It wasn't that you had to be a Jew. It wasn't that you had to live in a certain section or, or have a certain background. It had nothing to do with that. I'm thankful that my pedigree does not determine my, my outcome. Amen. I'm thankful for some things that I learned. I'm thankful for my heritage, but, but I'm thankful that my heritage and my past and all that stuff doesn't determine my future. The blood, well, they had to kill an innocent lamb. Only one way to escape the death angel that night. They had to kill an innocent lamb, and they had to do something very particular with the blood. We see it in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 7. They shall take of the blood of the lamb and strike it on the two side posts of the door and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. So they had to be inside the house. Behind the closed doors and on the side posts, the side rails, or if you know you got your doorway and you got it like this, right? The sides had to have blood splashed on it, and the top had to have blood splashed on it. That's the way it had to happen. And so uh, that blood would be a sign for that death angel to not go into that house and slay the firstborn. I don't there were Egyptians that came out of Egypt with the Israelites. Maybe some of those got a Passover lamb too. I don't know. I, I haven't looked into history, but it didn't matter whether they were Egyptian or Jewish. If they had the blood, the death angel didn't go in there. If they were inside a house that had the blood on the doorpost, the death angel had no access to them. Because Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13 says this, The blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So when I see the blood, the Lord said, I'll pass over you. That's why it's called the Passover. That's why the Jews to this day still celebrate Passover. They celebrate it around the time that we celebrate Easter, our Easter holiday coincides with the Passover of the Jews. We celebrate we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, which the death and crucifixion of Jesus is a type is the fulfillment of what the Passover, which was a type and shadow of what Jesus was going to do. And so uh, he said, I'll pass over you when I see the blood. 
And so when the angel came to that door that was covered properly by the blood, by the way, it had to be covered properly. There was a specific way that it had to be done, and if it wasn't done right, it didn't count. God is a God of order, and he's, he's a God. He, he does things a certain way, and we can't just prescribe our own way. If, if, if somebody tried to, to uh, draw a star on their, their doorpost, it, it wasn't going to work. If, if somebody decided to try to sprinkle the doorstep, if there was a doorstep, or, or the mat, the welcome mat in the front with blood. No, that, that didn't matter. The blood had to be on the doorpost. You can't make it up. You can't do it your own way. you got to do it the way that he said to do it. Because he's the one that's going to save you. And so when he saw that blood properly on the doorpost, the angel knew, I can't go in that house. So I'm going to pass over that. And so it's important for us to understand that we must have the blood of Jesus applied to our lives. For there is coming a day when we are going to, we are going to stand before God as king and as the judge of the world. And if he sees the blood, then we're going to have everlasting life. But if he does not see the blood, then we're going to receive eternal damnation. It doesn't get much plainer than that, and that's absolutely the way it is. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And you're going to one or the other based on whether or not you are under the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why you got to have the blood applied. And that's why you got to stay in the house. Because if the firstborn came out of that house, even if his house was covered in the blood, if he came out of the house, he still got it like everybody else. So we got to get under the blood and we've got to stay under the blood if we are going to make it in eternity. And so we've got to have the blood of Jesus applied to our lives. And so how is the blood of Jesus applied to our lives? I know that some of this is very basic for some of us, but I believe we need to, we got to lay this foundation. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5 says this, Jesus answered and said unto him, talking to a ruler named Nicodemus who came to him by night, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? I mean, it'd be kind of hard for me to crawl back up into my mama's womb. I'm a grown man. That's what Nicodemus was saying. <laughs> That'd be kind of crazy. <laughs> right? It just... That'd be uncomfortable in, uh, on a lot of levels. And Jesus is like, come on, man, really? That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> so he said this, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be born of water and born of spirit? It means simply this. Uh, Peter said it in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that is being born of the Spirit. When you get baptized in Jesus' name, your sins are washed away, and you are being born of water. Why do we need a new birth? Because when we repent, we're going to the altar, and we're dying at the altar to our old man. 
And so we die at repentance. I'm no longer going to live like that old, that old me. I'm not that old me anymore. That old me died. I'm so thankful that old me doesn't live anymore. I got to crucify him daily because he tries to rise up. But I, I got to remember, I got to remind him he was buried a long time ago. Because when I go down in the waters of baptism... And it's by full immersion. That's why we're buried with him in baptism. So I repent is when I die. I get down under the water in baptism. I'm being buried. But then I come back up again. And when I come back up again, I'm supposed to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I take that first breath and speak in other tongues. And now I have been born again. And so my new birth has two parts, water and spirit. And everybody has to experience that if they want to make it into the kingdom of God. You got to have both parts. You can't just have one part of it. You got to have both. Both parts of the new birth. And if you didn't repent, then you can't be born again anyway. Because you got to die before you can be reborn. Does that make sense? And so here we go. We got a couple of blanks. It is, first blank, it is repentance. And second blank, baptism. So your two blanks there are repentance and baptism. It is repentance and baptism in Jesus' name in water by full immersion that remits our sins or washes them away and blots them out and causes him to not remember them anymore. So repentance is your first blank there and baptism the second one. I've got to repent and I've got to be baptized in Jesus' name and that is what remits my sins. Therefore, the blood is applied to our lives during this process of repentance and baptism in Jesus' name. Because Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And some translations have tried to put that because of remission of sins. No, it's for the remission of sins. You, you do it so you can receive the remission of sins. And so when I repent and I'm baptized, I receive remission of sins because that's when spiritually the blood of Jesus is applied to my life during repentance and baptism in Jesus' name. And so let me just stop right here for those of you that are listening online or maybe there's somebody here right now. If you have not been baptized in Jesus' name you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And by the way, there is nobody in the Bible after Calvary that was baptized in any other way than in the name of Jesus. In fact, if anybody had been baptized in any other way, they then had to be rebaptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins because the name of Jesus must be spoken over my life at baptism in order for my sins to be washed away because he's the one that died for me. And it's his blood the blood of Jesus that was shed for the remission of my sins, and it's his blood that has to be on my life. Therefore, it makes sense that it would be his name that needs to be spoken at baptism. And so if you were baptized in these titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, uh, you need to be rebaptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins because Jesus is the Father, He is the Son, He is the Holy Ghost, He's, he's God, all the fullness of God manifest in flesh. Holy, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are simply titles, they are not names. 
when Jesus said that in Matthew 28, 19, he said, Be baptize them in the name, singular, one name, of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. It's, it's one name, and that name is Jesus, the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so I'm making an appeal right now because I feel like I need to. If you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, see me after this. If you're watching online, give me a call. Call the church. Find you got, We got numbers on there. You can send an email. Send an email to pastor at nbupc.org, and we'll set it up. We'll get you baptized. You need to go down in the waters of baptism in Jesus' name. Amen. But I'd like to present, yeah, Brother Lou, sorry. That's a great point, Brother Lou. Thank you. The meaning of the name Jesus is salvation. Literally, it's Jehovah salvation or Jehovah has become my salvation. When God came down and robed himself in flesh and walked this earth in human flesh and bones, he literally became the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world that provided for our salvation. Thank you, Brother Lou. That's a very good point. And so his name means salvation. So when you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you're literally being baptized into salvation. So don't tell me you don't have to be baptized for salvation. I'm going to keep using that, Brother Lou, in that, in that text, context. I've never, I never saw it quite like that. When I baptize somebody and I say the name of Jesus, I'm literally saying salvation as they go under the water and as they come back up again. Sister Ellen. Yes, the like figure wearing too. Like, like they had to get in the ark to be saved from the flood. Now we got to, the, the, the like, that was a figure of baptism. We got to go under the water so we can be saved. What Peter said, amen, amen. But now, this is all the power of the blood because that's when the blood is applied to our lives and it washes away all my sins. But I'd like to present to you tonight that the power of the blood goes beyond, I hate to use the word, I kind of hesitate to use just, but it goes beyond just remission of sins. Remission of sins, if that's all he ever gave us, wow, that would be amazing. If he never did anything else, it would be enough. I'm so thankful that he didn't stop there, though. Because the blood of Jesus and the power of the blood goes beyond remission of sins. There is so much more to the blood of Jesus than just forgiveness and salvation. Oftentimes in Christian circles, we, we tend to view the blood of Jesus only in terms of being that cleansing agent for our sins. And it is that, and we're grateful for that, and we're thankful for that. And if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't be able to talk about all the other stuff. But the blood that Jesus shed for me and for you accomplished far more for us than salvation only. And so we're going to look... Tonight, and, and whenever I, I, I teach again, we're going to look at some of the uh, characteristics of human blood and compare them with the spiritual aspects of the blood of Jesus. And in so doing, I believe we're going to learn just how much further the power of the blood goes beyond just salvation or simply our salvation. Again, I'm not trying to minimize salvation when I say that. I, I feel kind of bad saying just salvation because that's a miracle that's so awesome and we're so grateful for. But I, I hope you get my point. I'm not trying to minimize salvation because that's very important and that's a starting point. But, by the way, it's a new birth. It's a beginning. 
if, if a child is born and never grows from being a newborn, I hope to see Ezra Mateo grow into, a, 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 you know, if the Lord tarries his coming, grow and develop into an amazing young man one of these days. Uh, he's not going to stay a newborn. Thank, and, and Brother James and Sister Angie are like, thank you, Jesus, because we need sleep. <laughs> he's not going to stay a newborn. If he does, something is wrong. And so salvation is a beginning and we should be growing. And so the blood of Jesus is active in our lives even beyond salvation. Amen. So, number one, blood in our body, blood removes or moves waste materials from our bodies. It moves it out. It gets rid of the stuff that we don't need. And so as blood moves through our system, it delivers a bunch of stuff to our bodies, but it also is picking up waste materials and removing them from our body. And in so doing, the blood cleanses the body of unwanted and potentially harmful materials now jesus told the pharisees that they were like whitewashed tombs that truly appeared beautiful on the outside but on the inside they were full of dead men's bones man i don't i don't want to be like that i don't want to look pretty on the outside but be all messed up and nasty and dead on the inside i don't want to be one of those walking dead I want to be alive. Amen. I want to be alive on the inside. And I want to be as beautiful on the inside as I look on the outside. Oh, okay. That didn't come out right. I probably look pretty good, but I, I, that's not what I meant. I hope I look better on the inside than I look on the outside. But the blood serves to get rid of the dead stuff that's on the inside of us. The blood serves to get rid of the stuff on the inside that could possibly kill us. The cleansing power of the blood of Jesus purifies our hearts from the inside out. That's what the blood of Jesus does for us. It purifies our hearts from the inside out. You see, sin leaves nasty, nasty stains on our lives, inside our hearts, inside our spirits. But the blood of Jesus removes those stains. I love what John wrote in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8-9. through 9. He said, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. This is why we need the blood active in our lives at all times. Because John is writing to the church. He's not writing to tell people how to be saved. He's writing to people who have already been saved. And he says, if we say, if we Christians say, got really quiet. But if we Christians say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So we all have sin. I got you just a second, sir. We all have sin. We all do sin. Now we strive for perfection and we try not to and we don't use grace as an excuse to go and do whatever we want to do we're trying not to sin but hey we're human and if we're going to sit here and say we have no sin we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us into the blood of jesus that's why i need the blood of jesus active in my life beyond just my initial new birth i i need it every day of my life because there's still a sin nature i got to fight down amen Amen. Yes, sir. 
What we got here? Uh oh, I just locked it accidentally. You might have to unlock it for me again, brother. I'm sorry. Brother Claus got I, yeah, fat fingers and technology here. He's got a verse he wants me to read, I believe. Or a meme or something. All right. Here, let me just put it in the palm of my hand so I don't push buttons this time. There we go. So it says here that each man's soul is worth more than the value of of God's whole creation. And that's the way the Lord looks at it. Here, Sister Ellen. That's the way the Lord looks at it. Your soul is as valuable as any other part of his creation. All right, so it wasn't a verse he wanted to show me. It was just something else he wanted to show me. Every man's soul is valuable. My soul is valuable. Your soul is valuable. Jesus died so that he could save our souls. Amen? That's why he shed that blood. All right. So we all have sin. We all sin. We strive for perfection, but, hey, we're going to mess up. That's where the blood of Jesus comes in. Aren't you thankful for that? And so what happens? Verse 9, if we confess our sins, and once again, remember, this is not written to people who weren't saved yet. This is written to people who had already experienced Acts 2.38, had already repented, been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins, and had been filled with the Holy Ghost. He's just telling them, hey, you've had that experience, and when you sin now, when you mess up, this is all you have to do. If we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, The blood of Jesus, when it is applied at baptism, initially washes away all our past and present sins. So all the sins that I committed before I got baptized are washed away when I get baptized. The sins I'm currently committing and living in, he washes those away too. And hopefully I'm turning away from them. That's why I repented, right? And and so he's washing away that. But it doesn't stop there. The blood of Jesus that is applied to our lives at baptism also makes provision for the remission of even our future sins. Not that we go out and sin on purpose because we know the blood of Jesus covers it, but it makes provision for it. So I don't have to be baptized every time I sin now. You only need to be baptized once. It'd be kind of crazy. I, I, I would never get anything else done if, if I had to baptize you every time you mess up. I would constantly be over there doing this all day. My back would be so sore. I'd have to, we'd have to hire people full time just to be back. I wish we had that problem, but not the same people all the time. I wish we had to hire somebody just to baptize people. That'd be pretty awesome. But it's not because, you know, you have to come and, and be baptized every single time you mess up. Thank God for that. The water bill would be crazy. <laughs> My back couldn't handle that. <laughs> my knees either but in the old testament every time they sinned they had to bring a new offering and a new sacrifice and in the tabernacle worship system the blood of bulls and goats had to be shed over and over and over and over and over and over again every year from moses all the way to calvary They had to have a day of atonement, and they had to go through a big rigmarole. And they had to constantly keep sacrifices on the altar all the time. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verses, verse 4, and then verses 10 through 12. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. That's why they had to keep doing it over and over and over again. Because all it could do was just kind of cover it and uh, roll them forward for another year until the blood of Jesus would be shed so that it could finally be taken care of once and for all. So this may ruffle a few feathers, but all of Abraham's sins were not remitted. David's sins were not remitted. Moses' mess-ups were not remitted. Not one single Old Testament saint's sins were remitted until Calvary. They just got rolled forward. They just got covered up every year and rolled forward every year over and over again. Because it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins or remit sins. That's what remission is, to take them away, right? It had to be the blood of a human. Because it was by the first man, Adam, that sin came into the world. And it was by the second man, Adam, that the blood was shed that would remit the sins. Because it was a man that sinned, it had to be a man's blood that was shed. And it had to be a man that died. Aren't you thankful for the man Christ Jesus, who is the second Adam? Isn't that awesome? I'm thankful for that. You have a comment, Brother Edgardo, or you? Amen. Okay. All right. All right. Amen. I'm grateful. I'm thankful for that. By the which, verse 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices over and over and over and over again, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, this Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, at the power of God. Jesus offered one sacrifice for sins forever. The blood of Jesus was offered one time for everybody for all times, once and for all. And now all we have to do when we sin is to simply repent, confess those sins once more, and His blood takes care of the rest, purifying and cleansing us once more and getting rid of all the impurities that we have on the inside so we won't be like whitewashed sepulchers that, you know, we look all, all holy on the outside, but we're all messed up on the inside. No, if I stay under the blood... If I stay in a position and a lifestyle of repentance over and over again, that blood will continually flow through me and it will take away all that mess that's on the inside. Now, let's just be real. We've all got a little bit of mess on the inside that needs to come out. We've all got it. Jesus, help us to not have too much of it <laughs> and help us to, to, to not hang on to it and let the blood do its work in our lives. Amen. All right, the second thing is that blood is the central supply delivery system for every cell of our bodies. The blood of our body is the central supply delivery system for every cell of our bodies. There are millions and millions of cells in the human body. And the blood that flows through our veins and our arteries constantly delivers all the nutrients necessary for life to every one of these cells. 
Each of these millions of cells in our body receives new blood, which brings new life every 50 seconds. Every 50 seconds, every one of those millions of cells in your body receives new blood, which brings new life. Wow. That's amazing. And this new blood supplies new life, which helps us to renew our strength and to continue on growing and living. But without the proper flow and supply of blood, the body will die quickly. And so it is in our spiritual lives as well. John 6, 53 through 54 says, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood. It, he's talking about partaking of it or having the blood active in your life and flowing in your life. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So unless we partake of the blood by having it applied to our lives and then keep it flowing through our spirits, we have no life in us because the life is in the blood. The Israelites were warned to not drink blood under ceremonial law. Because the life was in the blood. And life is very important to Jesus. He came that we might have life and that more abundantly. So life is very important. And so if blood is what gives us life, then the blood is very important. Amen? So let's, let, let me ask this question, and maybe we have a little bit of a discussion here. How do we keep the blood of Jesus flowing into and through our lives? Bishop. Repentance. That's really it right there. Constant, daily repentance. The application of the blood of Jesus is not a one-time event in our lives. Rather, it ought to be, and there's a blank there in your notes, it ought to be a lifestyle. Repentance ought to be a lifestyle. So your blank there is lifestyle. Repentance is a lifestyle. Repentance keeps us aligned and allows us to stay under the covering of the blood of Jesus. When we maintain a lifestyle of repentance, we maintain the flow of the blood of Jesus in our lives. And since life is in the blood, repentance, which ironically is how we die to ourselves by placing ourselves on the altar of sacrifice. <laughs> it's ironic that death is what brings life, but that's how it works in the spirit realm. Death to myself brings life to the spirit. And so the life, since the life is in the blood, repentance keeps us under the blood and it releases a constant flow of abundant life into our spirits through the blood of Jesus. Does that make sense? 
No wonder Paul could write things like Galatians 2 verse 20 where he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me this life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me because now that I've been buried with him in baptism I resurrect through the blood of Jesus and I can live unto Jesus and I can live in this abundant life because his blood flows through my spiritual veins and I get to live unto him now and not unto myself because I am not my own I am bought with a price and that price is the blood that Jesus shed for me that gives me new life in him amen can I get an amen somebody Amen. Thankful for the blood of Jesus. And I have to die daily, like Paul said, in order to have the life that comes from the blood. Because the blood of Jesus can't flow as long as I'm stopping it up with my own ways and my own sins. And my, I, I got I to gotta die to myself so that I can live unto him. Amen. Amen. Blood, number three, blood is the body's climate control system this is interesting I, I learned a lot studying this out I knew a little bit of it but I as you study it out you learn more or you know remember stuff or, or reminded of stuff that you learned way back in high school or college and forgot it because you never thought about it again since the test um, but it is the flow of blood through our system now I remember this I'm, I'm, I'm a dad I kind of have to remember this but it is the flow of blood through our system that maintains our body temperature at approximately 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit in a healthy body. And it fluctuates a little bit. It's a little bit different here or there, give or take a temperature, but a degree here and there. But a fever, however, is an increase in body temperature above the normal range and typically indicates an illness of some sort. However, you know, as I was reading up this, and, and, I, and I knew this a little bit, but as I'm reading about it, I, 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 I kind of, something clicked in my mind. We tend to think of a fever as something bad that we want to bring down, so we want to take medicine. And if it's extremely high, we, all the nurses in the house are like, yeah, you need to, you know, you probably should take something and take care of that fever. But if it's just a mild fever, you don't necessarily need to take it. Why? Because the fever is part of the body's immune system. Right, Sister Maria? Sometimes, as a matter of fact, when I had COVID, I believe it was Maria that told me, if your temperature doesn't get above, like, I think it was like 101 or whatever, she's like, don't take anything to keep it down. Let it, let it, let it ride because it's, that's your body fighting. I believe that was her that told us that. Well, told my wife that. I, I didn't like Maria then because she was telling me I couldn't lay down. She's like, you got to stay up. And Maria was like, Marie kept saying, Sister Maria said, you gotta, you gotta stand up. You gotta stay up. You gotta sit up. And I'm like, I don't want to. All I want to do is lay down. <laughs> but it wouldn't have been good for me because that stuff would have gotten down in my lungs and I would have got, I might maybe gotten pneumonia and who knows what could happen from there, right? So I was thankful for Sister Maria's guidance, even though I didn't like it at the time. You know, but our natural reaction is we want to, we want to try to, to, to put the fever down. But in reality, the fever, it's uncomfortable. We don't like it. We hate it. But, but the funny thing is, is that our body is trying to fight off the illness that's invading us. So when, when a, and I don't know why it says, okay, I missed that on my, there's a typo there. When a virus, not when it gets, I don't know where that came from. When a virus invades our system, 
it starts in the mucous membranes and then it makes its way into our bloodstream. And so then that virus spreads through our body, through the bloodstream, because the blood is the central supply system. And so our immune system then releases inflammatory chemicals that increase the heat in our body and increases our core temperature. And you guessed it, it's the blood that delivers those chemicals that raises our body temperature and it flows through. So without the blood, we don't have those chemicals that will fight off the virus. So part of what happens is that we're heating up the blood and we're heating up our bodies and we're making it very uncomfortable for that virus. We're literally trying to cook the virus out of our bodies, if you will. So we get hot and we get a fever. And so, uh, you know, that, that was very interesting, but there's more. So when we are overheating... The blood vessels under our skin, this is, you know, if you're out playing basketball on a 90-degree day, which I used to do a lot when I was a kid. Um, I, I'm not trying to do that now. I'm older and wiser now. I'll wait till the sun goes down or something. <laughs> but when we're overheating, the blood vessels under our skin, the ones that are closest to the surface that are under the skin, they get wider, much wider. Not whiter as in the color, but wider, bigger. They, they widen out. That's a process, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but vasodilatation. I don't know if, that, if I even came close to pronouncing that right. But it increases the blood, that f the amount of blood that flows near the surface of our skin, which is much cooler than the inner parts of our core. So the deeper that you go into the core of your body, the, the warmer it gets. And even when it's hot outside, on the surface, your, uh, your skin is a lot, and the temperature is a lot cooler, and so you get more of, the cool, more of the blood that flows through the cooler part of your body. So now that blood, then the cool, it cools down, and it carries it into that part of your body that's inside you that's overheating. The body is an amazing thing. I mean, God really knew what he was doing, didn't he? I mean, wow. And so um, it, it's cooling us down from the outside in and then from the inside out. Now, when our bodies are cold, the opposite happens. The blood vessels under our skin narrow, causing less blood to flow near the colder surface of our bodies and more to flow through the inner cores of our bodies that are much warmer. And so... It, it comes through, uh, the warmer blood comes closer to our surface. It, it goes in and it comes closer to the surface and it goes, you know, but it, it, doesn't have, it doesn't cool down as much when it's really, really cold. And so it warms us from the inside out. And so in a sense, the blood of Jesus can operate in the same way. It acts sort of as our spiritual, and there's a blank there, our spiritual climate control. Spiritual climate control. The Bible tells us that in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. And as we are exposed, especially in these last days, to the coldness of this world in which we live, we need to keep our spiritual temperatures high. 
John told the church in Laodicea that because they had become lukewarm, God would spew them out of his mouth. It is important that we keep ourselves on fire, burning with the Holy Ghost, if you will. We need to be hot in the Spirit, and we don't need to be lukewarm. And, and I definitely don't want to be cold, even though the, Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. He doesn't want us to be cold. <laughs> we need to be hot. We need to be on fire. Romans chapter 12, verse 11, verse 11 says, Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Fervent in spirit. Paul is saying you need to be fervent in spirit. And the Greek word that is translated fervent means, and there's a blank there, it means to boil with heat. The word fervent literally means to boil. So your blank is boil. To boil with heat. Our spirits are supposed to be boiling with heat uh, in the sense of always being on fire for Jesus. Just like the priests in the Old Testament always had to keep the fires going on the altar, we've got to keep the fires going on our own altars and in our own spirits. Uh, we've got to be able to do that. So let me just ask you a quick question. How or what does staying on fire have to do with the blood of Jesus? How, how can the blood of Jesus help us stay on fire? Maybe I should phrase it like that. Anybody got any ideas? How can the blood of Jesus help us stay on fire? Can you just trans? Yeah. Can you summarize that? Because I didn't hear anything you said. When he was praying, the Holy Ghost anointing anointed him. Right. He felt the fire. When he got the Holy Ghost, he felt the fire. So, yes. What does that have to do with the blood, though? Kind of playing. I'm kind of doing this on purpose. I'm trying to get you thinking a little bit. You see, when, when, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for me, including the work of Calvary and the work of the blood of Jesus in my life, my soul begins to cry out, hallelujah. It gets my blood, my spirit to boiling every single time when I think about the power of the blood. When I think about the work that the blood of Jesus has accomplished in my life, I know I don't deserve it. I know I didn't earn it. I know that there's no reason or no right for me able to be for me to be able to be standing right here right now i have no 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 way no no meritorious achievements that that would say yeah you ought to be able to be saved and you ought to be able to be a saint of god and you ought to be able to be a holy man of god and and you ought to be able to be a pastor and stand before people and do what i'm doing right now when i don't deserve any of this but the blood of jesus the power of the blood makes it possible and so every time i sing about or think about or read about the work of the blood of jesus in my life it gets the fire started in my spirit all over again 
Because recognizing all that the blood of Jesus has accomplished in my life will without fail warm up my relationship with Jesus and raise my spiritual temperature. Maybe that's just me. And if that's the case, then you can scratch that part out of the notes. But I don't see how somebody could think about the work of the blood of Jesus in their lives and not get on fire for Jesus anymore. Sometimes we just need to get a, a fresh blood transfusion transfusion, and get a little warm blood flowing. Yes, Brother Lou. Got to keep it flowing. Right. If it gets stagnant, it gets cold. Amen. Amen. So, and we're, we're pretty much done, but let me, let me, I was thinking about this earlier today. What caused Peter to deny Jesus? What? I thought I heard somebody say it. Fear. Fear. Yeah. Thank you, Sister Marilyn. When Jesus was taken in the garden, the Bible says that Peter followed, but he followed from a distance. He got further away from Jesus because of his fear. Could it be because he couldn't watch one hour in prayer in the garden? That's, a, that's another lesson for another time, but may, maybe there's more to it than that. He was afraid of what was going to happen, and fear has the tendency to cool us off pretty quickly. And therefore, I don't think it's any coincidence that Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Stir up means to literally fan the flames. You gotta you, you gotta poke the fire a little bit. You gotta you gotta put more fuel on the fire. You gotta you, you, you gotta coax the fire back to life. You gotta get some flames burning again. The, the idea is that, that that Timothy, don't ever let your the fire go out. Uh, you gotta keep adding fuel to it. You got when, when you see those coals starting to get low, uh, you gotta you gotta, you know, you've ever had to go up to, you know, I, I in, in camping sometimes your your campfire kind of burns out overnight, but usually there's still some coals that you can kind of coax the fire back alive the next morning and you you get those coals together and a little get a little bit more tender and and, and kindling in there and you just kind of blow on it a little bit and you fan those flames and those flames start to start to eat the fuel that you put there and they start to go up again we're supposed to do that we're supposed to we got to keep the flames going we got to keep fanning into flames or keep stirring up the gift of God for God and, and the very next verse says for God hath not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind and I'll be honest with you I never saw those two verses together before I know they're right after one another. I just, when we quote it, we usually quote, this, you know, the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. But we don't relate it back to stir up the gift that's in you. Fan those flames. Get that temperature rising again. Get that fire burn again. But Peter let fear set in, and he got cold. And his fear caused him to distance himself from Jesus, who is the source of life and fire in the first place. And when we see Peter, the next time we see him, he is warming his hands by the fire in the enemy's camp. Because he distanced himself from Jesus, he got cold. 
and he had to find some heat. But because he was afraid, and he had gotten far away from Jesus, and he wasn't really sure what was going to happen if he stayed close to Jesus, because... You know, we face persecution, and, 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 and Jesus was getting ready to go be crucified, and what's going to happen? So he distanced himself from Jesus, and he was getting cold, and so fear will cause you to do some crazy things. And so he just trying to get a little bit of heat. He goes to the enemy's fire and starts warming his hands over the enemy's fire. Most of the time when we fall or when we backslide, it's, it's, it's because we have distanced ourselves from Jesus. And we've disconnected ourselves from the blood that keeps our spiritual body temperature where it's supposed to be. We've separated ourselves from the flames and the fire. And it's because we fail to remain in a humble position of repentance and we end up cold. And that causes us to fall into other things like fear and doubt and denial, just like Peter. Unconfessed sins, a lack of repentance in our lives will always cool us down because it shuts the blood off. So we've got to have the blood flowing constantly in our lives. The Bible tells us in Ephesians Chapter 2, I don't know exactly where it's at, maybe a long verse 12, 13, somewhere around there. It says that we are made nigh or drawn close by the blood of Christ. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, we're told that we can have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. I'm thankful that we can keep the blood of Jesus flowing in our lives and we can keep that spiritual temperature where it's supposed to be. Amen? Amen. And the minute I feel myself getting cold, you know what I need to do? I'm just going to repent so I can make sure the blood is flowing. And I'm just going to start drawing closer to him because the Bible says when I draw close to him, he's going to draw close to me. And here's the deal. When we mess up, all we have to do is confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So what do we do? We go to pray. There's that old saying that, that praying will keep you from sinning, but sinning will keep you from praying. But can I just tell somebody, just because you sin, don't think you can't come back to him. He's waiting to forgive you. He wants to forgive you. His blood has already covered it. The price is already paid. Just confess it, get back up again, and move forward. Amen? And then you can, with boldness, enter into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus. You can draw near with a full... With, 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 a, with a, a full assurance in your heart uh, that he's going to accept you and not reject you and he's going to take you back and he's going to set you back on your feet and you're going to be able to go out there and move and walk in the spirit again. Amen? Would you stand with us, please? Thank you, Jesus. We got more. There's several more things that the blood does, but I, I didn't even write any more notes out because I knew we weren't going to have time. We'll visit it another time. Why don't we lift our hands to the Lord? Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. I'm thankful that I've been washed in your blood, Jesus. And I pray you would help me to have a mindset to stay under the blood. 
to constantly keep that blood flowing through my life, uh, to maintain a, a lifestyle of repentance uh, so that and humility so that your blood can constantly flow through me, uh, so that the flames of the Holy Ghost fire can continue to burn in my spirit. Uh, Lord, I pray uh, that you would allow me to stay in that position of repentance so the blood can continue to flow, uh, so that it can cleanse me of all unrighteousness and purify me from all the stuff that would try to kill me or all the stuff that, that may be dead inside of me that, that can just be washed out, Lord. I, I pray, Lord, that you would help me to, to be able to uh, stay in that position of repentance where that blood can flow constantly and keep the fires going and keep the the the, the system going and and that and that the uh, my immune system can kick in whenever there's some sort of attack and I can have victory over whatever it is that attacks me because I've still got the blood of Jesus flowing through me because it is by the blood of the lamb that we overcome and the word of our testimony and so Lord I thank you for your blood and I'm going to stay under the fountain of your blood all the days of my life in Jesus name we pray amen 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 God bless you thank you Jesus amen I hope you enjoyed this tonight I hope you got some insight and learned some things tonight